0: If you're thinking about leaving a corporate job to start your own gig, when should you make a move? After spending six years in marketing and brand management at a Fortune 50 company, Cheryl Chan and her husband Jesse wanted to try something new. In 2019, they moved from Vancouver to Amsterdam and Cheryl launched her dream company. Cheryl Chan is the founder of Made on Sundays, a brand identity design company, and she shares what it was like to make the decision to move from Vancouver to Amsterdam as a couple, to start her own design company, and to find enablers and a female entrepreneurship tribe along the way. Without further ado, let's take off. Welcome to Progress Not Perfection, the leadership podcast where we grow through what we go through. My name is JQ, and I'll be your co-pilot. Each episode, we sit down with leaders to explore how they build companies and communities, products and services with a vision for the greater good. We dig into how they create clarity and chaos as they wrestle with messy situations and also how they navigate their own career journeys along the way. If you're ready, let's step to it. Cheryl, you and I met, of all places, in your first month at university back in 2009 through a club on campus called, if I remember it correctly, Latin Dance Passion, and it was where we both learned salsa, merengue, bachata, and I, if I recall correctly, you ended up being so good, yeah. you became the president <laughs> of the club, is that right? That's what happened. How long did you end up doing that for?
1: Pretty much my whole university life. I joined in first year, and I all the way up to graduation, I was part of the club.
0: Nice. Okay. And then to give our listeners a sense of where we're going, fast forward a decade, you got your business degree. And after graduation, you ended up in marketing, right in in brand management for Fortune 50 company for six years. And, And then last year, you moved with Jesse, your husband from Vancouver to Amsterdam, where you currently reside. How did you two end up in Amsterdam in the first place?
1: I was your typical Asian Vancouver kid. Graduated business school, did my co-op years, started working for that company for six years, like you said. And in 2018, we decided to get married. And after we got married, we were like, oh my gosh, we're living these comfortable Vancouver corporate lives. Maybe it's time to kind of try something new and see the world and maybe live somewhere else for a change before we settle down to start a family.
0: Yeah, that's so good because my wife and I were thinking very similarly along the lines of like, oh, when we want to get pregnant, we probably wouldn't want to do that abroad. And so we should probably head internationally before we settle down and have a, and start a family. Where were you guys thinking between, like what were your locations that you were considering?
1: Obviously, Australia was in mind, maybe somewhere in Europe. We definitely needed somewhere English-speaking since we were planning to settle down somewhere to find a job. So those were kind of the options, maybe somewhere in Europe, maybe London, Amsterdam, Germany, just somewhere that was English-speaking and had a great lifestyle where we can travel on the weekends and stuff.
0: And how did you start to narrow that down between Australia and Europe, being two very different continents and far apart. Despite the fact that both are English speaking, how did you land on one?
1: Australia was like the dream lifestyle, but it was so far from Vancouver, Canada that we didn't want to be that far from home for this first trip, and we felt like it didn't have as much opportunity in terms of travel, so we're like, okay, narrow down to Europe, London and Amsterdam honestly were our top picks so we talked to a couple of friends who already made the move to both London and Amsterdam and it all came down to lifestyle for us. We wanted to have a good standard of life somewhere that had work-life balance and good vacation days. Amsterdam seemed like a dream place honestly. They had that biking lifestyle it was definitely work-life balance and We wanted to make sure that we had that freedom and those vacation days to do those weekend trips and have it accessible by travel. So we ended up kind of narrowing it down to Amsterdam.
0: How many vacation days are we talking about, out of curiosity?
1: Most places, it's minimum four to five weeks of vacation, 25 days, which is nuts compared to what we had in Vancouver. Definitely lots of vacation. That's
0: pretty good. That's plenty of time for you to explore oh, the rest yeah, of your Oh especially
1: now with COVID happening.
0: <laughs> and now you're <laughs> locked in. When it comes to what you were planning when it came to working, right, that's a big consideration for a lot of not even just individuals, but, but couples in general. What went into your decision making for getting paid?
1: Totally. Yeah, that was the first consideration we had. We knew we needed to settle somewhere and obviously we needed to to get paid in order to travel. So, I knew I had a couple options. I could have quit my job and find another brand management marketing role in Amsterdam or I could quit my job and maybe start something new, start my own business, which was always my dream. Or I at that time it was actually a special moment in time in the company that I was working for. They were going through what they call a transformation and with the marketing team, they were either laying you off or they were going to transform your role into this global marketing role. And so secretly in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, please fire me. Please let me go. And then that would kind of make that decision. You get the severance through that. Exactly. Get the severance. I didn't have to make a choice. And that would have been the easy way out but obviously it never goes the easy way out so I actually was offered like a global brand manager role which was something that honestly I really dreamed of back then to really stay in this comfortable well-paying role that I actually kind of liked but yeah I don't know with this option I was thinking to myself is this something that I wanted to do and if I take it there was a possibility to possibly move this role to Amsterdam. And in my head, I was like, you know what? I could ask a lot of my teammates, since it is a global role, they were in Europe already. So it seemed like a possible scenario for me. So I thought about asking, but I knew if I asked, I feel almost obligated being with them for six years, that it would also kind of make me feel like this was... Something that I wanted to do, but I don't know if it was what I wanted to do. So I decided Mm -hmm. that this could be an opportunity for me to break free. This could be my break free moment to start something new and try a new career or try a new role. It was hard though to make that decision because I liked that job. I had great coworkers, great manager. It was a great environment and I was comfortable. I was well paid, but I knew in that moment that maybe it was time to try something new.
0: You've shared a lot of the logical thoughts that ran through across your head, right, about the different factors that would contribute to you either staying or going, kind of like a pro-con list, right? What were your emotions at that time? What were you feeling as you were trying to make your decision versus when you made that decision to leave?
1: Yeah, it was a mixed bag of emotions. I, Like I said, I really enjoyed my life at that time. And I knew this role for a lot of people could be a really great role. I was well paid. I I was working with my best friend actually at the time. And I had a great manager, which a lot of people I feel like can't say about their life and the career that they were in. And so it was hard. It was a tough decision to kind of feel like it was justifiable almost to say to make a change or decide Mm -hmm. to leave that. Yeah, that was kind of what was going in my mind. But I knew there was something in me, I was following social media, I was talking to friends and just hearing about other people who have these new types of lifestyles or work styles. um, That was so intriguing
0: to me. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. So during that time, as you were thinking through that, did anything contribute particularly to you shifting because because when you talk about new work lifestyles i'm imagining like the travelpreneur. i don't know if there's a better term for that but you live travel and work all wherever you want kind of thing was there anything that contributed to you thinking through that and heading that direction
1: the beginning of 2019 I was like starting to research into owning my own business, maybe considering freelancing, and all of these things kind of took me into this tunnel, I guess, you know, the social media tunnel. Things started to follow me around online, and this, I was (laughs) listening to this podcast, actually, I can't really remember, I think it was like one of those female entrepreneur podcasts and they interviewed these two girls one from one was a Canadian one was an American and they created this business together called the Buckless Bombshells and they were talking about how their company teaches female entrepreneurs to Work remotely as a freelancer anywhere in the world and all through a laptop. And I was like, what? Like, this sounds way too good to be true. But mm-hmm. I was intrigued and I looked into it, followed them for like months to see what that's all about. And yeah, it sounded like the dream life. I was like, hey, if I can work on my laptop and be remote, I could be making a living and be my own boss for the first time get to travel anywhere i like at any time and live pretty much anywhere in the world
0: and when you when you say follow them on social media for a few months i I guess i'm curious what i'm imagining is my hypothesis would be like it would be a lot of motivational pictures and quotes with taking control of your own life where we've seen quite a few courses that will like teach you how to do x right Was there a certain sense of thinking that you had where you're really intrigued, it sounds like, but also a a little bit skeptical, too, about, like, whether it was possible? What was going on in your head there?
1: Absolutely. Like, it seemed too good to be true. It's almost kind of like that influencer life. I'm like, really, can you really make money being an influencer on Instagram? Kind of had that, like, vibe to it. but. These girls were a little different for me. One of them specifically, one of the owners, a Canadian. She actually went to school in uh, UVic, I believe. She lived in Victoria. And I actually have some friends who knew her from UVic. And so I heard she was like an awesome girl, like go getter, And it really resonated with me that she was that Canadian girl who was so close to home and was able to start this business, they had thousands, if not millions of followers online and selling all these courses that they write these like testimonials and these, um, these blog posts about success stories from their students. A lot of them were Canadian as well. And I was like, wow, I can't believe people are actually making this work just through this course like this. It's definitely skeptical, but just because I can hear stories that were so close to home sounded like my story. I was like, maybe this is possible.
0: So you go for it. You join the course.
1: So I joined the course. They had three courses. One was more like design, brand design focused. One was more like virtual assistants. And the third one, I believe, is more like the operational side of actually owning a business or being a freelancer. I ended up buying all three <laughs> which actually cost it quite a bit, like over $1,000. But I decided to kind of do all three and go all in because I guess from reading all of these like entrepreneurship stories and articles, what I kind of learned was the best thing to do for yourself to, is to invest in yourself. And by putting money in... Mm-hmm. And I'm really like saying putting money in like in the thousands where it's like more of a commitment. You feel more dedicated into what you put your money in. It's like going to university, you put like tens and thousands of dollars on into it. You're going to spend that time to make it worth it. So it was kind of that like mindset or behavior Mm -hmm. that I had. Like if I spent a couple thousand on this, I know I'd be more committed to it and more dedicated to it. So I took the plunge. I was studying with the courses for a couple of months and night and day during work hours, after work hours, and I just studied. I was practicing design on Illustrator. I was learning how to start my business, learning about contracts, proposals, all of that good stuff.
0: It's great that you were able to learn in such a structured way, too, because I feel like, think about launching this podcast, a lot of it was launch and then figure it out and iterate along the way, which I imagine you're still doing regardless. It feels like the courses must have helped structure at least the broad buckets of how to run a business for yourself, even especially if you had never done that before, right, to your point about contracts and the work, and then I'm curious about the virtual assistance piece, and I'll probably pick your brain on that. But at that point in time, so you finish the courses over three months, and where were your heads at? So, yours and Jesse's in regards to moving internationally at that point,
1: probably by mid year, around April and May of 2019, Jesse was actually getting really close to landing a position in Amsterdam, he was in a lot and a lot of interviews. And at that point, I actually, (laughs) I secretly did apply to a couple of positions, but none of them honestly resonated with me. I wasn't sure if this was the right path for me. And at that time, I was also doing the courses. So I was like, maybe I'll just start my own business. But just as a backup plan b maybe i can just apply and see if something i like comes up and by may jesse was in the final rounds for this one job in amsterdam and he was actually flown out to amsterdam for the last round of interviews and i had that time by myself at home to kind of think about what i wanted none of those jobs that i applied to actually got back to me. They rejected me. And so I was like, you know what? It's time to commit. I should just go for it a hundred percent to my own business. I was starting to get a little bit more comfortable with design work. And keep in mind I've never done design professionally in my life. I was a brand manager, so I managed a lot of graphic designers, but I have never started a business full time or even done any graphic design work for paid amounts. So I was scared, but yeah, I just decided I'm just going to go 100%, quit my job, and pursue this as a full-time job.
0: What was it like telling your manager about that?
1: Oh, man, it was terrifying. I had a really, really close relationship with my manager and my direct team. I've been working with them since I graduated, and they've been to my wedding. They've been through my whole adult life through a lot of tough decisions that I've made in my life and they really watched me grow up. It was like telling my family that I'm leaving home. That's how I felt. <laughs> I remember going to that meeting with him not really knowing what to expect. It was kind of like that surreal moment for me, because if you know me, I always lived a pretty safe, stable life. I'm not really the type of person that you would expect to quit their comfortable job with no job lineup, and on top of that, move to another country. That was just not me and my story that people would think of me. I told my manager, and Mm -hmm. to my surprise, Him and my whole team was incredibly supportive of my decision. And let's just say there were quite a few tears that were shed in those last days. But it was really in those moments, honestly, that I knew it was okay to try something new, even in times when I felt like everything was going right in my life.
0: It feels like this wave of momentum as things started to line up then, you know, you feel like you're getting the support from your manager. I'm assuming Jesse got the job. And then you made the leap, right?
1: Yeah, Jesse got the job. End of May, we got I guess Jesse came back and two weeks later we got an email from the company and they're like, you got the job, you got the offer. And we were so excited in that moment. We like jumped up, started dancing. It was middle of the night. He actually woke up to that email because he knew we were expecting that email soon or the offer to come through if it was happening. And we just jumped up, started dancing. We're like, oh my gosh, this is happening. We are moving.
0: It's so cool to hear that you made the leap to Europe because Teresa, my wife, and then I were up until COVID, very similarly exploring our options to move to Europe for a year or two before we start planning for babies. And And one thing I noticed was the complexity of having to waddle through all the information on visas and, and how there are great visas for people under 30, which now that I'm just at the 30 mark has been making me feel old. But what what type of visa are you two on, and what did your search for that look like?
1: Funny thing is, we actually both considered the under-30 visa too, and we are the same year, so I'm also getting to my 30-year-old self, but we decided, I guess in the Netherlands, With the under 30 visa, I believe you can actually only work for three to four months for one company at a time, which I feel like it's just more for like temporary. Like if you're working at a coffee shop, it would work for you. But Mm -hmm. for us, we were looking for like a corporate job. So that wasn't really an option for us. We found out about this visa that they had called the highly skilled migrant visa. And this was offered for expats who were hired for what they called highly skilled positions in the Netherlands and I'm not exactly sure what they consider as highly skilled but I believe there's like a minimum income level as well as it's usually jobs that are highly sought after Mm -hmm. like a manager position or tech position something like that and yeah the company typically would need to be registered to be able to offer those visas to you and that's what we ended up with.
0: Sweet. So you went with the highly skilled workers visa. And then in terms of logistics of of actually making that move, what was involved with that? What was that like?
1: Once we got the offer, it actually took about two months to do all of the paperwork. I guess with these international visas, they have to apply for you. And there were a ton of forms that we filled out, contracts to sign. But also, luckily, they were really flexible with the start dates. So Even though we got the offer in June, we were hoping to not leave until mid-August so that, you know, we can enjoy Vancouver summer, which is always so pleasant. So beautiful. I know, it's why we live there, right? And so yeah, we got to kind of spend the last couple months in Vancouver, pack up our stuff. Thankfully, we lived a pretty minimalistic lifestyle. So we really just packed what we needed, basically our clothes and our technology, and then everything else we sold or we put in little boxes and kept it at our parents' place. And then in mid-August, we left. We took a one-way flight to Amsterdam and luckily the company that jesse got a job with offered us a one month free temporary stay in central amsterdam oh that's awesome yeah it was definitely a luxury and a perk it was this beautiful area called jordan and that's where we stayed for a couple months while we looked for our permanent apartment
0: that's great what was it like that moment where you walked into your apartment for the first time Just off the airport, you get off the plane, you head into the apartment. What was that like for you?
1: I don't know if you've been to Amsterdam, but Mm -hmm. it's a bustling city. It's super international and there are so many tourists. We were in the middle of August, which is the best month to go to Amsterdam because it's also rainy Amsterdam. So, August is your best bet for some sun. And we landed there and it was chaotic at the airport. And then we realized, like, how are we even getting to our apartment? The funny thing is they had these little stands at the airport to get like SIM cards. So we're like, I guess we should just get a SIM card and book an Uber or something. So that's what we ended up doing. We got to our apartment. We went up these incredibly steep stairs, you know, your typical Dutch staircase, We lunged our five suitcases all the way up there and we went into our little studio and we're like, oh my gosh, this is the tiniest but cutest thing we've ever seen. It was like one tiny room with a tiny little stove and a toilet, basically. (laughs) We laid out our luggages on the floor and we had no space to even walk around. It was just like jumping from our bed on top of our luggage to get to the washroom and that was the only space we had but it was charming it was cute it was in the middle of like an old amsterdam area and we just knew we were so lucky and grateful for that little apartment
0: that's awesome thanks for sharing that and so you moved to this new country and decided to start your own business made on sundays which is a brand identity Design company. Coming from your corporate role of six years, what was starting out like?
1: I guess it all started August 2019. That month that we left, I started doing this full time. Suddenly I was an entrepreneur, a business owner, and it took me a couple months to start up anything. I'm sure it was the same for your podcast. It's a lot of admin work, there's a lot of understanding who you want to be as a business owner, who your business is. And mm-hmm. for me, because I was a brand designer, I need to create my own brand, but also my website so people can get in contact with me. This whole entrepreneurship world was completely new to me. And I guess the two hardest like mindset things I had to deal with at that time was one, I had to create my own schedule for the first time. Being not a nine-to-five job, I had no set time on when I actually have to put my head down to work Mm -hmm. which can lead to a lot of procrastination but for the first time in a long time I was kind of financially dependent on my spouse and as a fellow Capricorn it was honestly really hard for me to understand that new reality of my identity I've never had to rely on anybody before, and not that I didn't have savings, but just day-to-day, we were spending in euros now, so we were really reliant on Jesse's income in those first few months of setting up.
0: What was that like, processing that? You know, you're at a restaurant. Where did that show up, actually, would probably be a better question.
1: Going out for food for restaurants, I mean, that wasn't too big of a deal, because usually we would just spend on our shared credit card anyway so i didn't really feel that but where i felt it most was probably when our essentials going grocery shopping paying for rent for the first time i had no bank account of my own when we moved to amsterdam and we set up our bank accounts here you're not allowed to open a bank account unless you had a job or like a registered business, and I had neither. So our bank account was under Jesse's name. I had a secondary card holder, and at that moment, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm not even allowed to open my bank account here for myself. I basically had to rely on Jesse for everything, and it was hard. I mean, I w- we were kind of newlyweds, and this whole dependent thing was new to me. It was really hard to really." understand the power dynamic and just adjusting to understanding like what kind of power do I have in making those decisions when it comes to -to day-to-day things and just more flexible and having an open communication in terms of how we wanted to move forward with our lives knowing that we were dependent on his income and how much time really I was going to give myself to be incomeless to kind of start that business. So there were a lot of tough conversations and mindset things that I had to overcome, really.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Thanks mm-hmm. for going there, by the way, because I, I feel like as a recently newlywed myself, we got married last year, and a lot of the shifts when it comes to money are always. Well, I guess I shouldn't say always. I shouldn't generalize at all. But for us, we had to talk through, to your point about shared credit cards, what would shared accounts look like? Where would payroll even go? So I feel like your conversations almost added another layer of complexity on top of that in terms of Mm -hmm. tough conversations as a couple to figure out what are we landing on? Is there a threshold for what we can spend on without without talking about it, etc.? Take me back to maybe starting off and getting your first client. How did you start to get that?
1: In the course that I took, they were recommending that the first step in finding your first client, probably the best way would be using a website called People Per Hour or Upwork. Some people might be familiar with them. They are freelancing job sites where people would post freelancing jobs and then you would apply to them. And that's kind of what I started out with. I decided on going People Per Hour just because it seemed like a smaller company, so probably less competitive. And so I went on there for two, three weeks straight, basically applying to every single design job I could get my hands on for the whole day. I would just be on it, refreshing the page every minute and just basically mass applying to any job that I could find that I felt like I could do. after I think a week, I actually landed my first job on people per hour and I was so excited I was like oh my gosh people want to pay me for my work this guy I think it was like agricultural it was an agricultural company honestly when you apply for jobs on people per hour you don't really get that one-on-one attention with them so they give you like this brief and then you just go with the brief and you create something for them Anyways, I created this logo for this company. It took a couple days, and the job was like 50 pounds, someone from the UK. And I got ghosted on my first job. I, like, sent him all the deliverables, and I never got paid. Six days went by, and I... Are you serious? Yeah. Six days went by, and luckily, people per hour had this deposit system. So he had to pay the deposit in order to even put the job up on the system so I got like probably 20 pounds from that job just for insurance but I never got paid he ghosted me and never talked to me again so that was upsetting
0: that was must have been like yes for sure upsetting and also surprising too because I would have imagined with a freelancing site the minute you upload your deliverables the money would probably have been collected up front and then just released to you but that's not the case with
1: Yeah, definitely not. It was just a deposit.
0: So what did it feel like at that point? You put all this work into posting or applying to 30 jobs a day. You're doing that for a week. You finally get this opportunity and then you don't get paid. What were you feeling at that point?
1: I was upset. And I guess the initial thought to myself was, was this a mistake in becoming a designer? I'm like, maybe he hates my work. And he was like, I'm not even worth... 50 pounds uh, for our logo that was kind of my like dang it I know I'm like if I can't even make 50 pounds I'm like how am I ever gonna make a living doing this that was my honest true thoughts I was like about to give up but yeah I was like you know what I'm I guess I should just keep trying but it was definitely a moment where I really questioned my decision to do this
0: if we're talking about like quote-unquote real clients when did you get your first real client that did pay you
1: After a week from that miserable experience, I was posting all over Facebook groups. There's actually a lot of like really um, empowering and helpful female entrepreneur Facebook groups, which I joined. And through there, posting my offer to people and I found a couple of potential client calls. I remember having this call with this wedding photographer, which actually was referred by my own wedding photographer and I had my first zoom potential client call meeting with her and I was so nervous I like prepped a whole day for that call and before that call I was like running around my house like oh my gosh I don't even know what I'm selling like who am I what is my identity (laughs) and I was so nervous getting on that call and well I didn't get that role for a couple months but I had my second potential client call a couple days after that and this girl she was incredible she was like a coach and she called me to see if I can help her with creating this digital pdf for her business and we ended that call not just working on that pdf but she actually signed up for my biggest design package that I had on my website and I was like oh my gosh I just went from having no clients no money to having a client for the first time and not only just a client but a client who signed up for my biggest package and that moment really kickstarted my business that
0: must have shifted perspective in terms of confidence too because then you're thinking oh I have a shot at this I could do this How do you think things would be different if you weren't doing this full-time?
1: I probably would have tried doing this as a side hustle. Probably could find a job, honestly, in Amsterdam. And I would pursue this as a side hustle. But I have done small businesses and side hustles in the past. They were fun, but they never really turned into anything sustainable income-wise. And I think for me, I get back what I really put focus on. And if I didn't do this full time, I wouldn't be able to give it my 100% focus. And I don't think it would have turned out to be what it is today.
0: You know, what amazes me is that you started your business in October 2019. And year of business, you're hit with a global pandemic, as many of us are. On the professional side, what was it like being a new business owner in your first year of business and facing COVID-19?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So... I guess I was around five months into my business and everything was going well and swell. Every month, I would get more potential clients. I would get more confident. I was getting better, you know, as a designer, as a business owner. And then March hits 2020 now. The world has Changed into a different place, and I was like, Oh my gosh, all the headlines were like, Small businesses are hit, small businesses are closing, you know, everything's shut down. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm a small business. I'm like, How is this going to impact me? What does this mean for my income? This is all new to me, just being a business owner is new to me. But for the first time, I identified with being a small business during a pandemic and it was terrifying. I had continuous client calls and income coming in all the way until February. Once March hit, from March, April to May, I had zero client calls. Nobody reached out to me. Wow. Yeah, it was hard. I luckily had a couple clients booked ahead of time for those months, so it's not like I wasn't doing my business. I wasn't doing anything, but I had no new clients call me. I would go through those Facebook groups that I initially went on and there were no jobs being posted. It was a tough
0: thing. Yeah, no, I can imagine. And and given that there was a bit of quietness, it felt like you might've had a choice at that point, right? Because on one side you have the clients that you're working with, but then there's also a bit more free time to either do more and dig in. So how did you pivot in those three months or how did you act differently
1: luckily i had a couple jobs still but yeah like you said i had tons of free time and i'm sure everyone was experiencing the same thing at that time learning new hobbies cooking more but for my business i i was sulking obviously for a couple weeks as everyone was kind of coping with the pandemic that we were going through but after a few weeks of just being miserable misery i really had to start pivoting and thinking about what my business looked like moving forward because we didn't know how long this pandemic was going to last for Mm -hmm. i did have those thoughts of is this me as a designer that's why i'm not getting any clients was it due to the pandemic Or was there maybe graphic design is a seasonal thing? Maybe it was just those couple of months that people weren't really starting new businesses. I really had no idea. Mm -hmm. I guess instead of like focusing on those kinds of things that I couldn't control, I started thinking about and brainstorming other ways I can diversify my income streams, doing things that could build onto my business, planning for the future. And I ended up, I was like maybe I should start like a YouTube channel and I actually did. I just launched my YouTube channel for Made on Sundays last Sunday. Nice. So I was working on that. Thank you. I was working on that. In May, I started updating my website and created an Etsy shop where I sell design templates now and you know just really brainstorming and using this special time where we had these moments of silence to create innovate and broaden my skills provide more for my clients
0: yeah it felt like it was driven by like this one question of what else what else can I do right now within my controllables that's great I'm assuming after May did things start to pick up for you all of a sudden or, or what did that look like
1: yeah, magically. First week of June hit and I had two, Sunlay, two potential clients set up a meeting with me. And then ever since then, things have been picking up. I think people are becoming more motivated and almost realizing that even with a corporate job, things are never stable. Mm-hmm. And that I think there's this whole boom right now, A lot of corporate warriors are deciding that maybe having a side hustle, having starting a business, even though it seems risky. I mean, everything's risky right now. A lot of uh, females especially are thinking about making that transition to starting a business. And that obviously benefits me as I support small businesses and uh, female entrepreneurs. So I really started seeing a pickup and things are looking up now.
0: That's good. And hey, by this time, you know, you've made it and are continuing to make it through a pandemic, so it feels um, things are looking up. (laughs) On the uh, the personal side, what was it like being a Canadian living in Amsterdam with your family across the world?
1: Oh, it was so hard. When we were in the thick of things, every day, Jesse and I would sit down and have this discussion as expats. Mm -hmm. Is it the time to permanently move back home? That was one thing that was always on our minds. Maybe we can go back permanently or maybe we just go back for now just during the pandemic but we weren't sure if we can do that. We weren't sure if it was safe. We weren't sure if we can come back to Amsterdam after that. That honestly wasn't really an option for us. We had no home to stay in. Our parents lived in tiny apartments. It wasn't really a place where we can just suddenly show up and move into. So our decision was to stay but Every day, we were so scared that Jesse would lose his job. Everything was very just unsure. If he lost his job, we would be kicked out of Amsterdam in three months. And so I was really, really terrified because it wasn't very emotionally draining time to be away from friends and Mm -hmm. family and just having that stress of owning a business, not knowing if I can even stay in the country that we're living in and all of the work and time that we put into setting our life here, we could see it crumble just like that. That was really upsetting thought to us. Um, And it was really tough time to really be away from family and having to worry about them from so far away. Yeah,
0: no, that's been one consideration that's kind of shifted my mindset, at least as of today, where, although moving internationally would be nice, you know, at this point, we're thinking, oh man, it would be critical almost to like stay close to home in case anyone got sick. I can't put myself in your shoes at all. But at the same time, it feels like it would be really, really, really tough to be distant, especially during covid I feel like your journey in Amsterdam is is almost like you've been there for a year-ish. And at the same time, it almost feels like you guys are just getting started. What are your top three takeaways from this whole experience?
1: Oh, wow. I feel like I can write a book from this year. (laughs) And I feel like a lot of people can say the same. Just living through this pandemic, I mean, I had the layer of moving to a new country and starting a new career. It felt like 10 years in one year. Mm -hmm. I feel like my top three takeaways. Number one, I really embraced the idea of living outside of my comfort zone. I feel like by doing that, you're putting yourself in a position where you are attracting new opportunities, new experiences into my life. And that has made such a different shift in just terms of energy and attracting new things and new possibilities there's this
0: quote by oprah i don't know if you've heard it but it says everything you want in life is right outside your comfort zone and yeah. i don't watch oprah a ton but i do love that quote I <laughs> <laughs> so i, love I it. can i can relate to that one what else
1: the second one would be mindset is key once you have really set your mindset on something to do it a hundred percent Everything else, all of the little details, administrative things, whatever it might be to get you there, it's figure outable.
0: Yeah, that one ties into setting a goal without question, and then doing whatever it takes to get there. Right? When I think about setting a goal as for a half marathon, right? Yeah. Oftentimes, my wife we used to run a lot, and then this year was the first year where she was like, "Okay, I guess we'll we'll try it again." And the minute they we set that goal in motion, she was like, "Ah, oh, crap, I'm Like here we go. But <laughs> but week after week, we're now just showing up to go run because we don't have another choice. We're gonna go yeah. do it. And so I, I love that. Um, last one?
1: Last one, I'd say, I didn't really live through that traditional, quit your corporate job kind of decision. I think there are a lot of stories out there where you hear people being burnt out or hating their corporate life or whatever it might be. I wasn't that person. I actually loved my life. I had a comfortable life with a great job and I was in a position where life was looking up. But I don't know. I I kind of learned that even though I was living a great life, I can even go from great to greater. I think You may leave something good at that moment, but you may also gain something better.
0: That's so good. Yeah, because there are so many stories about hating corporate life and moving on, and that's not all of us, me being a a great example. (laughs) (laughs) So that's so great. Great to greater. I like that. I was really curious to talk to you because you had done a lot of things in terms of moving internationally and trying side hustles out passion projects right and then turning that into full-time so so thank you for your time where can people find you
1: absolutely so there's a few places if you're interested in graphic design work or branding work you can find me at made on sundays Talk com i'm also on instagram at made on sundays studio but i am actually on youtube now as well so if you're interested in anything branding design and creative entrepreneurship just type in made on sundays but also if you're more interested in my expat story me and my husband jesse has also a channel talking about our expat life in amsterdam you can just look up cheryl and jesse vlogs
0: There you have it, Cheryl Chan on making moves from Vancouver to Amsterdam. If you missed last episode, Drew Sood, CEO of Fresh Prep, the meal kit company, shares how they delivered five million meals in five years. So make sure to check that one out. Stay tuned, we have an amazing episode coming up in a few weeks on the art of perseverance post paralysis with the number one amateur kickboxer in BC, Sasha Tatayoni. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it on your socials. Leave me a rating or review. Until next time, keep swinging at those shrubs. JQ, out.